0: Welcome, Pewter Report readers
1: and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast, energized by Celsius. We are back with the Bucks draft recap, and I am John Leggierd of PewterReport.com, along with me, Scott Reynolds, also of PewterReport.com. And it's good to be back on a Monday after all those days of draft shows, Scott, and uh, eight and a half hours on Saturday for day three of the NFL (laughs) draft. It was awesome. It was a bunch of fun, and we missed y'all though, and we're glad to be back with you on on a victory Monday, recapping this uh, Bucks uh, draft class.
0: Yeah, it was uh, certainly a fantastic weekend when you look at the fact that we had close to twenty thousand cumulative viewers for our draft show. Yeah, Uh, and that's just on YouTube. There was many more on Facebook and, and Twitter, and really want to thank everybody for for tuning in. It was. It was an absolute blast to be with you guys for three days and uh, and, and your numbers, uh, you guys really rep- represented it. We really appreciate uh, all of the traffic. We gained a lot of uh, new subscribers on our YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed to Peter Report's uh, YouTube channel, please do so. It's really easy. All you got to do is go to our YouTube page and just click on Peter Report TV, hit that subscribe button and we greatly appreciate the support and, and why you're... While you're at it, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so as well. We gained, gosh, probably another 100 or so Twitter followers just over the weekend. Yep. At Pewter Report, you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Those were our three main media social uh, social media channels uh, aside from YouTube. Right,
1: and uh, today we're going to recap the draft class a little bit. Some new thoughts. We've dug in a little bit more. I've watched some Kyle Trask, and there'll be a call out up and it'll have like a breakdown of Kyrask. We'll be able to have some insights into him and his game. Uh, but yeah, we'll break all that down and we're also going to dive into the undrafted free agent class, take a look at some of those guys. We didn't get to really talk about them on Saturday because there was so much up in the air still. We mentioned a few names, but Bucks didn't really add their free agent class until an hour or two after the draft that was announced for most of them. So we'll take a look at a couple that I think have a chance, outside chance, even on a roster like this, uh, maybe of making the roster. And it's all going to be brought to you by our friends over at Celsius.
0: John, it's a Monday. You know what that means. Orange Celsius for me, my friend. I
1: got my that's sparkling watermelon today.
0: Oh, you went with watermelon. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's Ashley's favorite. And yeah, I'm changing it up. Uh, it's a good flavor. Uh, not on my top five, but orange number one still and always. Uh, I love it because... And you know what? Here's the crazy thing. I, I've actually stopped drinking coffee not every day. I, I'll get a couple cups in during the week, but, but uh, it's not the daily routine that it used to be. And I start my... My morning's off with the Celsius now, and uh, just find that it's working better for me. At age forty-nine gives me that that jolt of energy, and the best part about it, John, no sugar crash. You know why? Because there's no preservatives, no sugar uh, in Celsius. And uh, if you want to find out where to find watermelon or orange or your favorite flavors, or if you don't have a favorite flavor yet, if you haven't tried it, go to Celsius.com. Click on their store locator, type in your address, and all of those locations from convenience stores to health and nutrition stores to some of the the bigger chains like Target, etc. They'll pop up around you and you can find out exactly where to try Celsius. Then once you like certain flavors, and you probably like them all, but if you have certain favorites, you can go to pewterreport.com. When you're reading your Bucks News, check out those Celsius banners. Click on them. They'll take you to Amazon where you can buy them in bulk and save a lot of money
1: absolutely it's uh i I had to tell matt the other day one of their guys there i was he was like tell us if you don't like any of the flavors just let us know and i was like i will tell you but i really haven't found one i don't like yet so not blowing smoke there There, there's some good stuff uh, for sure all right let's get to the super chats we've already got one william butler uh 499 super chat william we really appreciate that and appreciate all the super chats over this past weekend that y'all brought in Uh, kj Wright and melvin Ingram still Ingram still out there fellas yeah justin houston's still out there Trying to think, there's a couple out there. So there are veteran pass rushers for sure. You know, if people need one. And uh, KJ Wright, I just happen—I really think he's going to be back in Seattle. I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. I actually thought that that had happened. So we'll see what happens with him. But definitely some some players out there. But there, there's not much room on this Bucks roster, yeah. Scott. <laughs> so much so that we almost were like, I don't know if we even talk about the undrafted free agents. But I looked at the undrafted free agent class, and here's the group, Scott: South Carolina uh, offensive lineman Sedarius Hutcherson. And right. I'll, t- I'll talk about him in a minute because I think he's the one with the best shot to make it. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati D lineman, Elijah Ponder, uh, yeah. Florida Atlantic edge rusher, Leighton McCarthy, Iowa State safety, Lawrence White, Stony Brook safety, Augie Contreras, who he said was not mm. even in Dane Brugler's uh, draft guide of like 670 some people. <laughs> yeah. And um, who else? Uh, a Miami, a kicker, Josh Bor- Boragelis. So he's looking for – he's get, it's his chance to, to to contend for a job on yep. tape that will show up somewhere else. Um, Navy defensive back Cameron Kinley. Mm-hmm. Uh, F- uh, Florida Atlantic, another Florida Atlantic. Flo- uh, no, maybe not. I don't know what that school even is. FAMU, what's that?
0: Um, that's Florida A&M University. Florida A&M yep. University. That's yes, good call, yeah. Uh,
1: Calvin Ashley, who I think was an Auburn player for a while. Mm-hmm. And then West Virginia wide receiver TJ Simmons. So – Yes, the, the odds are long that the, any of these guys make this roster, for sure. I mean, any undrafted free agent, but especially this year on the Bucs, it'd be pretty tricky. Focus oh, yeah. mostly on the safeties and the offensive linemen here. Um, I, I think Sedarius Hutcherson might have a tiny bit of a shot. Here's why, Scott. Okay? I'm going to make my case for Sedarius Hutcherson. Okay. Multiple p- games at multiple spots on the offensive line. 12, uh, 16 games at left guard, 12 games at right guard, 11 at left tackle. So right now he's got the experience. He was a team captain. Um, so he, and he's plenty of plenty of playing time. He started for about three and a half years for South Carolina. So he's, he's very, uh, and he tested pretty well too. Honestly, his testing was good at 6'3, 321. He tested well athletically. Um, and he's, he had pretty good jumps, put up 35 on the bench. That's 35 squats. Pretty good. So the, yeah, the, the, the physical stuff is there. I think a lot of the athletic stuff is there with him. Um, what Dana had to say about him is interesting. Me, he balances he battles balance issues that'll be highlighted against NFL quickness. But he has the grown man strength and competitive temperament to move bodies in the run game. So, what I look for when I'm talking about uh, late round guys that are going to be last guy on the roster, it's versatility on the offensive line, physicality, and play strength. And if you have those three things, even if you are bad, you can make it. If you have yeah. those three things, so. What I saw from him when I was when I was rate right, when I was uh, watching South Carolina live over the last couple seasons, and they had a couple other guys. Who I always note Sidarius Hutchinson when I was playing. He will get after people for sure. Yep. Um, so I'm I'm intrigued by him. I don't know about anybody else on the list. Somebody mentions Calvin Ashley was a five star high school recruit. If he can get his stuff together, he could make the roster. Could, um, could, yes. Uh, yep. I think it's possible. He definitely talented. Never came together for him at Auburn for sure. I think right. he was at Auburn. Unless I'm thinking of the wrong or different school, but um, Mark, I will get to your question on Trask here in a second. when We get to the second round. Um, oh you know, Some people had Hutcherson in their mocks. Yeah, no, I, I hear that for sure. He was a sixth to seventh round grade for Dane. So we definitely had uh, some. So he was a guy that was definitely probably their, their highest profile um, mm-hmm. undrafted free agent signing. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. John wants to know. Anyone know why AB is still listed under unrestricted free agent on today's updated roster? He's not officially signed yet, right, Scott? Yeah,
0: yeah, it's correct. So, I don't think he's just a formality. Signed but, the contract, yeah, right. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's back. back. Right. Um, so I, I wouldn't read too much into that, other than that. And you know, the interesting thing is when you look at at, at uh, you mentioned the offensive line. Uh, you look at a guy like. Like uh, Denell Stanley, who was just signed a rookie out of South Carolina. Yeah. Um, prior to the draft, he has yet to play in the league, and and then even a guy that made the team last year and uh, didn't really have an opportunity for playing time. Actually, a couple guys, uh, Nick Leverett and uh, John John Mulchen out of uh, Boise State. Uh, those are players that that really don't have a huge advantage over some of these undrafted free agents because all they've been able to do is practice. And that was just in a very truncated training camp. And let's not forget that, that without a preseason, most of the Bucks' attention was getting ready for New Orleans in week one. You had Tom Brady who needed a bunch of reps to get familiar with the offense, with his, with his uh, pass catchers. And, and so there was even fewer opportunities, fewer training camp reps for those players. Without a preseason, you can have some of these undrafted free agents come in at, at a couple of positions, and trust me, the Buccaneers were not a popular destination for undrafted free agents because this roster is so loaded. We're talking about um, maybe some of these draft picks not making the team this year. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was tough for the Bucs to to sign a couple of these guys, but but there'll probably be one, maybe two spots uh, behind some of these veterans on the offensive line. They do need a backup center, Whether whether that's going to be um, you know Robert Hanzy. Whether that's going to be Donnell Stanley, probably Hanzy will, will get the, the first uh, crack at it and the benefit of the doubt being the third round pick. Mm-hmm. But um, guys like like Leverett and and, and Mulchin, they're you know they've got a little bit of an advantage, but because they didn't have a preseason to play in and and get a bunch of, of live game reps, uh, some of these offensive linemen that are coming in might have a chance to uh, to steal a roster spot.
1: Right. Yeah. No, it's a good point. I think that, uh, especially that position group, and that's why Hudson stood out to me because I'm like, well, okay, you've got Stanny Wells and and yeah. uh, that are locked, but you know, beating out Motion's not a crazy guess. Right. You know what I mean? That's not exactly. like a shot in the. So anyway, I think that there's a possibility that we could get there with with him on the offensive line and he could be the one guy that, that makes i don't see a possibility with anybody and i will see him play i haven't watched him i just read up on him it was kind of yeah. like doing something i was like i don't know if any of these other guys can make it uh it's gonna be tough this is a pretty good roster obviously all right we got lots of questions coming in uh william butler wants to know edelman to the box didn't edelman retire did something happened today.
0: Yeah, but well, Brady made some comments. Yeah, Brady made made a comment about uh, you know that the Julian Edelman went the retiring route because he was too afraid to ask Bill Belichick uh, for his release <laughs> so he could head to Tampa. So I didn't I, even see that. <laughs> I think it's just Brady clowning a little bit on social media, but uh, Edelman not not a, a good fit here. Too old, too slow, too hurt. And, also, um, they
1: have like 15 receivers in yeah,
0: <laughs> just the, the depth is crazy. I mean, I mean, if they hadn't re-signed Antonio Brown or and or drafted Jalen Darden, who this team is very, very high on, they right. traded up in the fourth round to get him. Yeah, uh, I just don't see any way, shape, or form that he is a Buccaneer unless it's like a mid-season thing where there's a rash of injuries and Tom calls him up and says, "Hey, bro, you know, I need you down right. here." Right. It's a mid-season re- injury replacement. That, that I think, is the only yeah. way that happens.
1: Right, just like a emergency, yeah. desperation. We need yes. somebody to have chemistry with Brady because, like, three guys have gone down with injuries. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it would be something like that. Yeah, okay. Uh, Wintermans, hope we answered uh, your question pretty much. Who are the top nine on the O-line? I think we've got probably eight set in stone, the starting five, and then Stanny Wells and, and Hainsey, uh the third-round pick. And then after that, I think it'll be a battle. Yeah, and that's where Hutcherson might have a chance to, to yeah. make that ninth O-line spot count. Um, make sure I got to all of your questions. Setup upgrade, yes. I clearly see now that I'm live. I don't know what happened, but the lighting looked different before we went live. Now that we're live, the light needs to shift a little bit. But yeah, we're, we're working on the setup upgrades. It's definitely, it's coming along here. We are not necessarily known for our tech savviness. But we are growing. That's what You're we're all about. You're making strides, young
0: Ledyard. <laughs> strides.
1: Right. That's right. We're, that's what we're all about on the Peter Report podcast is growth. All right, let's talk about this draft class. Joe Tryon, first round pick, Bucks best bet, baby. Going to keep talking about it. I know, I know. I know. Might get obnoxious for some of y'all, but it's not easy to hit that 30-second pick, baby, especially in a year like this one. So we're excited about Joe Tryon coming to the Bucks. What I saw when I watched on tape and I wrote it, you can go over to PeterReport.com and you can search. And you can search Joe Tryon, and you'll see some sort of all of our recent articles on him. Actually, I think even if you go to our like pick tracker for the Bucks, yeah. you'll see the articles on him under there. And you can kind of go ahead and, and read about Joe Trion. You can read about his his little uh, – his kind of like skill set and what he needs to work on. There are details in his game that need to be polished, I think. Uh, but he is a very good athlete. He's very physical. He's long. He's got a lot of traits working for him. If he had to go to a full-time role right away, I would feel a little bit hesitant. Given the fact that he does not, I feel a lot better about the pick given the situation that he's landing in Scott. I think it could end up being really ideal for him in the end if he's able to clean up some of those details right now that are lacking.
0: Yeah, I think so. You I think you know that there the one thing that I'll add about Tryon is this is a player that we were on pretty early. I want to say it was our second mock draft. We had him going to the Bucks in the second round, Levi Anzariki in the first. <laughs> then we got some intel, like, nope, let's flip those guys. Um Tryon's gonna go before Anzariki. And and uh and that was certainly the case. And and so this, you know, this was a player that was it was easy to put in as our Bucks best bet. And uh we didn't really have much of a debate, John, when we,
1: yep. when we
0: put him in the mock at number thirty two. We we just felt really good about him coming to the Bucks and did an article on um Friday, right before the draft, tailored the tape between he and Jason Pierre Paul. So if you missed it, go back and and read that article, Tale of the Tape, it, it lists the production of Jason Pierre-Paul coming out of his one year at USF. And essentially, Tryon's one year as a full-time starter at Washington. Jason Pierre-Paul had six and a half sacks. Tryon had eight. They're both six five. Jason Pierre-Paul came out at 270. This kid's at 260. Um, and then really, when you look at the three-cone drill, it's identical 7.18 for both of those players. Mm-hmm. But then try on test it a little bit better physically and athletically than the Jason Pierre-Paul. And yeah. and uh, we'll see if he becomes half the player or if he matches Pierre-Paul's illustrious career with mm-hmm. two Super Bowls and, and almost a handful of Pro Bowl appearances. But, John, I think it's a very promising start uh, to – to the handing off the the future of the pass rushing uh, duties from Jason Pierre-Paul eventually to to Joe Tryon, and who yeah. knows, maybe maybe Pierre-Paul comes back for another year. He's thirty two right now. He's had back to back off seasons with knee injuries, still playing at a very high level, mm-hmm. but. They were able to re everybody this year, but I've been told that's not going to be the case in 2022.
1: Mm-hmm, some of right. these
0: free agents to be, whether it's a Ronald Jones, a Leonard Fournette, a, a Jason Pierre-Paul, an Alex Kappa, uh, a Ryan Jensen, some of these guys are going to have to depart because mm-hmm. they're not going to have the cap room for everybody, especially with some of those other guys like like Carlton Davis coming up for a contract extension. He's going to be Chris much- Godwin. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. yep. So you're right. This was an important class in that way in, in some regards. I mean, certainly you look at the Hainsey and Tryon picks that way. At least you look at those and you say, wow, if those guys could look like they're ready to be starters by the end of this season. Yeah, uh, man, that would be a huge step because even if Hainsy can take one of those spots and then right. Kappa leaves and Ryan Jensen comes back or, mm-hmm. or you draft a center or you get a cheaper center in free agency that's, you know, I, I don't think it's the hardest position on the field to replace Scott. So yeah. I think those are. it's pivotal that they get something developmentally-wise out of those two players, especially because they decided to wait on the guard. I don't know right. where their guard rankings were. Okay, this class just isn't very good at guard. We're going to you know, push it on down the road and see what happens at the end of the third round. But that's a lot of picks to wait to take that guard once you decide to take a Caltrass. Yeah, so.
0: I, I agree. And you know what? You look at the cornerback depth this this year on the the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Um, their first four are locked in, right? I mean, yes. you've got Carlton Davis, you've got Jamel Dean, you've got Sean Murphy Bunting, you have Ross Cockrell back, not just for one year, but for two years. Then you got Herb Miller, a young guy that's this team's really high on. That's five cornerbacks right there. You bring in a Brian Wilcox in the sixth round, and John. You know, if if I could, if I could take the place of Jason Light, I'm taking a sixth round flyer on Trey Smith out of Tennessee, who was mm-hmm. the Buck's best bet for our guard now. I think the Buccaneers had flunked him on their team medical, as most teams did, because of the blood clot issue. But you know what? Um, the sixth-round pick, I, I don't see where, where Brian Wilcox is going to make this team. I don't think they're going to keep six corners. So it's going to come down to he and Herb Miller battling for that final cornerback spot. I would rather have uh, taken uh, – a flyer on Trey Smith mm. crossing the fingers. He's just a better player. If he can, if he can overcome the blood clotting issues, then you have a starting caliber player in the sixth round. So right. th- th- that's, that's the switch I would have made. I would have gotten Trey Smith as the guard in the sixth round and then, uh, not gotten Wilcox and
1: not traded up for Jalen Darden. Right.
0: In uh, that situation? yeah. Situation. Yeah. Right.
1: So just let the board and honestly, <laughs> Was Darden? I mean, Dard Darden going to be gone. No,
0: he, I think Darden would have been there.
1: You know? He might have been there. Yeah. Man, they honestly could have said, "We're literally this sixth round pick is not making our team." Like there's just hardly right. any way, and I I get that. So, but yes, yeah. yeah, so I hear what you're saying about Trey Smith. I always feel that way after the draft. You know about guys who are talented but are medicals. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, okay. just take a how chance, serious? Obviously. You just take a chance. Like your chance, your sixth or seventh makes any roster is low. Plus, right. yes.
0: man, you're talking about this roster. Like, come on. And man. you're supposed to swing for the fences in the sixth and seventh round, get a boomer bust prospect, right? Mm-hmm. Because the chances are so low of that of that player being a hit. But if it's a right. hit, instead of it being a special teams hit, it's a starting caliber player hit,
1: right? Yep, just I agree. Sense. I think that's a good point by you. And it's something you, you obviously in hindsight, you look at and you say, hmm, but you're right. If they flunked him on the medicals, then maybe they just didn't have him on their board at all at that point in time. So um, it'll be, it'll be fascinating to watch Trey Smith and what he does and all the teams that passed on him. Because remember Trey Smith, there was a time where he was in every single first round mock. Oh like yeah. He was, I mean, he was that popular. Yes. So, um, and now we're at the point where that's, that's not really happening. Yep. Uh, and and his stock really you know, plummeted. Joshua, back with the 499 Super Chats. We appreciate you, it. Joshua. The testing comp is interesting. Has anyone looked at how the athletic testing may have moved over the years? Seems like guys are more athletic now. They are more athletic now because mm-hmm. of the training. Prepares them way better than it did before for these exercises specifically that, that they
0: get tested on. So
1: right. So the results are going to probably continue to get better and better. And, uh, for and John, you
0: know what? The, the, the testing is, is now – is not a college thing. It's a high school thing. You have yes. these guys – that, that are that are in unreal weight programs in high school because they go to these camps, they go to these rivals camps and all these, and, and they're getting tested there. They're like little mini combines for college mm-hmm. coming out of high school. And so the process starts there. So you're getting players that are entering college now that are more college ready than they've ever been. And so they're coming in a little bit ahead of where they were, say, five, 10 years ago athletically. And, and then, you know, if they're coming in as C's rather than D's, well, when they make that, that jump with the college training, they're going from C to B or C to A rather mm-hmm. than from D to C or D to B. And that's why I think you're seeing uh, more athletic guys and not just the skill positions, but even offense and defensive linemen heading into the draft because of what we're seeing, the trickle down effect, not just in the college ranks, but in the high school ranks.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It, it starts a lot earlier these days than it used to. And so that's, that's one hiccup maybe in the comparisons of athletic testing. But I know people have asked about Chandler Jones, and he's not one of the comparisons that comes up for Joe Trium when you look at mockdraftable.com. Yeah. We looked at some of those. Robert Quinn was one of them athletically. Yeah. Uh, Size-wise, I definitely do not see that on tape. You know, so sometimes these aren't really clear pictures of who the player is, but but some of them are. You know, we, we said there's definitely some Sean Merriman, too, Joe Tryon, at yeah. if he if he reaches his peak, but right now there's all this wasted movement that yeah. kind of just totally neuters his speed to power. And that's going to be his game if he can cultivate that. I mean, he's not right. going to be a speed bend guy. He could do it on occasion if he beats a tackle out of his stance. He can win the edge, but he's got enough quickness he can threaten up the edge and then cross the face of attack with Tryon inside counters and power moves should be his game as he right. develops. Is it going to happen all the time? You know, no. But uh, I think that that's where his bread and butter will be if he fully develops, cuts out the wasted movement, uh, all things like that. So let's jump over to Cal Trask, round two, pick sixty-four. You and I, you know, kind of as we were getting closer and closer to this pick, we were looking at the board, and then Creed Humphrey went off the board in front of him, and we were like, "I think it's going to be a quarterback." Yeah, (laughs) and it just looked like the board didn't have much that the Bucks would be crazy about. I think what Josh Myers and Creed Humphrey went like four picks ahead of the box like those four pit the center options yep. and maybe that impacted things in terms of them deciding to wait for Hainsey uh it certainly didn't fall for them I would say you could have been more aggressive in the second maybe but I I understand where they're coming from too it sure seemed like listening to, J- to Jason Light and obviously they make it sound like whatever after the fact but it sure seemed like they had their eye on Cal Trats the whole time even even yeah. in the first round so much as to say at least that he was atop their board obviously a quarterback because he was the next quarterback taken But they got him all the way down to 64. Glad they didn't use the first on (laughs) him.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) That would have, that would have, we would have a different tone on this podcast if that had happened, I think. At 64, with a couple top centers off the board in front of you, I wasn't loving what was there, to be honest with you. I mean, I know we talked about corners, but here's one thing I was thinking about. One of the guys I was talking about on the show was Afitu Melafonwu. But then after the show, I was thinking about this on the drive home, Scott. Afitu Melafonwu would have had to have started as the fifth corner. And I don't know how he would do on special teams, right. and that kind of brought me to a point that I hadn't even considered that much. And that was on me when thinking about this draft class. The Bucks, if they were going to take players at almost every position outside of edge defender because they needed a true a number three guy, right? They really had to be able to play special teams right away yep. this season. Yes. They literally have holes; like they don't even right. have people to play in those roles. And if I feed to who could be a great corner project. But if he can't play special teams and that's not a desire, or you didn't get that feeling watching him, uh, Like whatever it is, then you can't draft him like that. I know that sounds ridiculous to people, but it sounds ridiculous because you've never seen a roster like this one going into the draft. Like it was that they they couldn't do it. I mean, Ross Cockrell not going to be that kind of special team player for you. Right. So you have your top three corners and then you need that fifth corner. You look at Ryan Ryan Smith. He didn't even see the field like at all on defense. He's just a special teams guy. So that's what right. they do in that fifth spot on special teams matters more than whether a good corner. And I think that's why they felt like they couldn't really take somebody unless it was like a player in the first round that they felt like was going to bump somebody out of their lineup
0: completely. Yeah, exactly. They really didn't yeah.
1: feel like they could take a
0: corner. And that's why we had as our second, or I should say our our late Bucks best bet, Avery Williams from Boise State. That that young, undersized cornerback. It went to the Falcons, much to my chagrin. But he's strictly a special teams corner. He's not really uh, a fit, certainly in Tampa Bay's defense, being five foot eight. But, but that was kind of the thinking there. So, you know, I, I think that that um there really when you look at at what we talked about in terms of of the players that were, that have a chance of seeing the field early on, it was either going to be uh, outside linebacker, a pass rusher, edge rusher, yeah, running, running back, which they didn't. Pick at all or offensive line, and and in the first three picks they picked an interior offensive line as we kind of forecasted it wasn't the right uh, wasn't the guy that was on our radar, but um, but then they got Tryon which was a direct hit and then also um, Kyle Trask and and you can't fault them for taking Trask because there was a run on quarterbacks he would not have made it to the th- their third round pick whatsoever, and we're not sure of what the order would have been for the other NFL teams but it went Trask first and then uh, Mond and Mills, uh, Kellen Mond and then Davis Mills. So, uh, you know, I, am not opposed to the pick. Uh, we, we nailed another bucks best bet. We knew that he was going to be the quarterback that was, if they're going to pick one, it was going to be him. And it certainly was. And, um, the interesting thing is this was a selection that started on the scouting side first. Hmm. And and that's not, that's not a big shocker per se, especially with the season going so long as it did. But, uh, the the scouts were kind of in unison on this pick, you know, front office, Jason Light, etc. And then once the season was over, um, Kyle Trask had to he had to to pass a lot of tests. Bruce Arians, the quarterback whisperer, Byron Leftwich, former NFL quarterback, the offensive coordinator, Clyde Christensen, longtime quarterbacks coach in this league, and then Tom Moore, the the venerable offensive assistant who uh, knows more about football than even Bruce Arians, and and Kyle Trask. Checked all of those boxes, mm-hmm. and, and and this was a, a consensus pick inside the building. It's a great scheme fit for what Bruce Arians wants in a big pocket passer that's a touch thrower, that's an accurate thrower, and um, you know doesn't have the strongest of arm, but it's strong enough according to Bruce Arians. And if all of those guys that know way more about the quarterback position than I do say he's a fit in Tampa, who am I to suggest otherwise?
1: Yeah, I definitely think he's a fit. You know, the more I watched him, I was thrown, to be honest, by Bruce Arians' comments a couple weeks before the draft when Bruce said, upside, upside, upside. If we think there's a guy with upside at the quarterback Mm -hmm. position at 32, we'll take him. Obviously, it wasn't at 32, but that's what threw me off with Trask. I was like, man, there's no physical or athletic upside here at all. But then I as I got closer to the draft I realized okay here's a guy who's barely started he's he's not played that much football you know he was yeah. a backup in high school and he didn't start early on in Florida and he's you know he's in this situation now where he's the starter and you know he's kind of thrust into the limelight and he plays okay in 2019 then by any measure I don't care and I see people talking about how his playmaker's propped him up that's absolutely true. There's no question. Yep, those guys help a lot. No doubt about Guess it. what? You're pl- throwing a good players in the NFL too. So I don't never quite understand that argument unless you like literally just all your throws were bad, which is not the case with him. He had an unbelievable jump from 2019 to 2020. Yep. That can't be ignored either. Even though there, yes, there might not be a physical athletic ceiling with Trask that exists with other players. That's why I would have been frustrated in the first round. You know, right. And in the second round, do I ultimately think Kyle Trask is going to be the franchise quarterback? No. So by that barometer, I don't want to draft one after the first round. That's that's yeah. kind of how I feel about it. If you're not taking a quarterback that's going to be your future franchise guy, you need to need a backup to, to mm-hmm. take a quarterback. Now, technically the Bucs do need a backup right now, but if Blaine Gabbert does come back, it will make me a little bit more confused in the Trask pick. I mean, I'll get it. They want to have the best quarterback room possible, completely understand it. Um, but I would, like I said on the show, I would not have taken Kyle Trask I don't think that's the same thing as saying this was a horrible draft pick.
0: John, I got a lobby for Blaine Gabbard. Get him back in the building. <laughs> All right. The, listen, the Buccaneers held number eleven for Blaine Gabbard. He's not under contract right now. They held number eleven and Cowtras took number two, which I guess because his college number was eleven. That was that was what he wore at Florida. So if you add one and one together, you get two. Or maybe he's the second round pick, right? Or maybe he's gunning for the number two quarterback job and hopefully, you know, in his mind beating out Blaine Gabbert. But uh, it's interesting because now the Buccaneers will have Ryan Griffin. And if they do bring back Blaine, which I'm campaigning for, uh, then you will have Gabbert, Griffin, Trask behind Brady. And that's, that's an interesting combination right there. I think, I think uh, it'll be interesting to see, but, Ryan Griffin, probably the the odd man out just on paper, but we'll go to camp and the preseason and we'll see.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing with Kyle Trask, I had him as the same grade as Davis Mills basically on my board, but the the injuries with Davis Mills, I don't know. I I don't know whether that was what kind of affected things a little bit with the board. I mean, to me, I wonder if that was – that took Davis Mills down a little bit in their mind uh, on the board. I don't know, you know, he had a little bit more upside to me maybe, but I mean, I certainly, again, if you watch Kaltrask against Alabama, yes, you can definitely see issues and you can watch him against Georgia and you can definitely see some issues. But at the same time, yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, he he has talent. Uh, you know, I don't think that he is ever going to be the future franchise quarterback for this team, but I could absolutely see Kaltrask getting in and, and being capable enough to win a few games. For you in an important stretch where, you know, if you win a game here or there, you could, you know, help you get on your way to a Super Bowl. So I get it from that perspective. Scott would not have been the pick that I would have made. Still see the value in it. Uh, absolutely see some of the things that Caltras does well. This is not, you know, taking Luke Falk on day three. This is not taking yeah. Nathan Peterman on day three to me. Like, I'd, the, you know that's not those kind of picks to me. Um, you know it's not like taking those kind of guys that everybody's like oh they're steals. You know they fall on the board. Like I think he's more talented than those types of guys who he often gets grouped in conversations with pre-draft. And the Bucks took him so took him you know higher. And I think that ultimately he has a little bit more potential than those guys. So we'll see about the franchise quarterback thing, though. That's where yeah. I kind of get – I don't well, know if
0: I see that. To answer this question here from Hans Penny Lowe, Brady had backups for 20 years. Why hasn't one of those guys learned from him and become great? Well, I mean, first of all, if you're a backup quarterback and you're, you're drafted not in the first round, I mean, you're looking at guys like Jacoby Brissett, Matt Castle. Um, chances are pretty low. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Th- those are some guys. Ryan Mallet. Um, Jarrett Stidham. So first of all, it starts with the talent. Are they talented enough to become uh, elite starting quarterbacks, great quarterbacks? The answer, at least to this point is no. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, is, is I I think that, that with regards to Brady and we've heard this now, we had Mark Schofield on uh, during the draft show. I have heard this just from some sources that I have that, that are, you know, in and around the Patriots, uh, you know, situation. That Brady felt a little threatened. That was a little bit of a a chip on his shoulder, very much like Aaron Rodgers wasn't really thrilled with with Jordan Love getting drafted in the first round in Green Bay. Now, the Patriots didn't draft another quarterback in the first round, but Jimmy Garoppolo was a second-round pick. And the relationship between Brady and Garoppolo was a little frosty. Brady's a a competitor. Why, Why would he want to groom somebody that might ultimately replace him? And I think that was his mindset back then when Brady was still in his prime. And I'm not saying that Brady's not in his prime. I mean, listen, Super Bowl MVP, 40 touchdowns. He should have been in the Pro Bowl this year over Kyler Murray. But what what I'm alluding to is the fact that, that Brady didn't know how long he wanted to play back then when Garoppolo was drafted. Now mm-hmm. he knows that the end is near and... Yeah that that when the end comes it'll be at Brady's choosing, not that the Buccaneers are going to get rid of him or or even like the Patriots, you know, ultimately parted ways with him by letting him leave in free agency. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that there will be a little bit more mentoring with Kyle Trask than there was with any Patriots quarterback in the future in the past, because Trask is the future and Brady is is the present.
1: Yeah. No, I think that you're right about that. And I think that there's no they, Brady knew they were going to take,
0: you know, Trask. like
1: he was informed. He was knew yes. that he was on their board. He was on the radar and it was yeah. a guy that they could take. So he's all about it. No, there's there's yeah, no issue there for sure. Uh, all right. Robert Hainsy in the third round. I thought it was a weird scheme fit to be honest at first. And I think that's still the biggest question to me. Um, Hainsy needs to remake his body a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he definitely needs to get stronger. Um, He needs to, he needs this year. Really. Um, I think not that he couldn't play if called upon. And and somebody asked earlier, I think, what position is Haynesy going to play? Uh, you, Jason Light mentioned him being a potential four position guy for them, uh, everywhere but left tackle, probably. I think yeah. I would be surprised if we see him in right tackle in a game, is you know, unless it's a desperation situation. I think, I think he's going to
0: be Josh Wells there if right. there's if something happens and works. Yeah, you two yeah. Wells there first,
1: right? And you might honestly see Kappa outside before you see <laughs> before you see uh, yeah. Robert Haynesy. Now, I think Haynesy has real potential because he is a good athlete and he gets after people smart, tough, very physical. I mean, if you watch him on tape, he has to finish every single play. Like he just chases guys all over the place so that he can get one last hit on him. Um, so he's the right mentality, but he needs work. Yeah. I think he needs some work and he needs some time. Um, I don't mind the pick because this year you can take a guy that you think has good development, but it's going to test him, right? Like, I mean, they got yeah. Alex Kappa from a very raw spot to being a really good starter this past year. And, They've done that with a couple guys now. They've gotten Donovan Smith better every single yeah. year. And so I'm not down them out for sure. You know, Bucks right. have done a good job with this. Uh, you know, I think that well, it's going to take some time for Hainsey.
0: Yeah, It's interesting because, right, we always sit there and say offensive linemen aren't the sexiest of picks, right? Yeah. Uh, sometimes they're sexy. Tristan Wirfs was sexy last year.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> <That's true>. like <laughs> I was excited That's a good
0: point. When, yeah. when they got Tristan Wirfs. And I think right. a lot of Buccaneer fans were too because there was a big glaring need at right tackle after DeMar Dotson uh, you know, wasn't brought back. But this is not that, that sexy of a pick. I, I'm, if I'm going to be skeptical about one of them, it's going to be about the handsy pick. The, uh, you know, I uh, I'm a defensive uh, guy. Uh, I did play some offensive line in high school, so I can appreciate it. Uh, I, you know, I've got nothing against offensive linemen. I just prefer defensive linemen. But I, I, you know, we'll have to see if he can make the transition from right tackle inside to guard or center and uh but i think what the bucks like about him i think the appeal john is the mentality mm-hmm. is that he fits into that room and from a scheme fit standpoint we'll see from a, a physique standpoint we'll see i think like you said he's got some work to do in the weight room but from a mentality standpoint i think that that he's he's a pretty good fit so the the jury's still out on that selection for me um you know you can you can criticize it as a third round pick but um it's really a fourth round pick it's the last pick in the third round yeah before so the
1: comp picks. right before the comp
0: picks yeah so i mean it's a
1: shot and they're taking a yeah. shot on a guy they believe has the traits the mentality the upside those kind of things so
0: right
1: we'll see you know again i'm not saying i had like a bunch of guys over him on my board um i right. just think it's going to be a project i don't think that you're going to get early contributions from robert hanzy uh this season that that would yeah. be it would be, so it might be, so Aaron Stinney and, and Josh Wells be ready to go. That's, you know, yeah. and, and hopefully John Moles should be ready to go because this is your second yeah. year and you had a pro-ready body in a lot of ways. You impressed them early on, so, you know.
0: And I, I'll tell you what, Stinney got a lot of confidence in, in the playoffs of yeah. the Super Bowl. He filled yep. in admirably, only gave up one sack. That was against the Packers, but I thought he played really well. The team's excited uh, about mm-hmm. the competition. I think it's Kappa's job to lose right now, but Stinney's going to give him a hell, a hell of a run for his money in training camp in the preseason because both those guys are in a contract year.
1: Absolutely. So it's going to be something to monitor is the Aaron Stinney situation because I think it's a big reason we can get a developmental guy because they feel like Stinney can be that top backup this year. So a luxury to have for sure. And a reason why he was a priority to bring back. Do want to remind everybody about locker room. Locker room is a social audio app that is changing the way we talk sports. It's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams that you care about. React to sports news as it happens. Gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games. Rep your favorite teams and find your community. Better Sports Talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple App Store and join the conversation. Josh Allen and I will be doing a locker room uh, this week uh, talking about the Bucks draft a little bit, going in depth on some of this stuff, getting into the nitty gritty a little bit, uh, maybe even peek ahead to 2022 and give you some names uh, to think about for the Bucks at a couple key positions. But yeah, it will be fun to be on there. So if you have the ability, download Locker Room and follow Pewter Report on there. We have lots of really good, fun conversations. You can jump in, ask questions. I know a lot of people in the chat here jump into those. We had a great Q and a right before the draft, like that right before the first round while I was <laughs> driving to Scott's house for the show, we had like an hour long, uh, uh, locker room. So it was good stuff. Uh, so download locker room, follow Peter report and let's have some fun this week. We'll definitely be on. I think tomorrow night, uh, should be on for one. Um, all right, let's talk about Jalen Darden traded up in the fourth, yeah. gave up that sixth round pick to go get Jalen Darden diminutive wide receiver from North to, North Texas. Uh, who is going to be the return guy. I mean, that is – I thought about this the other day, Scott, and I said you have five receivers that are locked onto this team. Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, uh, Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, and Tyler Johnson are not going anywhere. Those guys are on the roster. So if you're going to be the sixth guy and they're only keeping six, if if they're only keeping six, he has to win the return job. And I'm not saying – I'm definitely not saying that Jalen Darden won't win the return job or anything like that. I'm just saying you trade it up in the fourth round, for a guy that needs to win the return job to make the roster, yeah. he has not had a ton of, I mean, he definitely has return experience, but he's not had a right. ton of return production during his career in North Texas. So I thought Jane Mickens was honestly all right the last year. You know, I didn't think he was anything a disaster for sure. So I don't know, Scott. Uh, it feels a little risky to me. It's not that I don't like Jalen Darden. I think as a space player, like as a luxury type pick, I mean, I definitely get it. Uh, he's, yeah. he's a kind of creative, fun space player. You know, you can do some different things. He adds a dimension or package of plays to your offense, makes you tougher to scheme for. There's probably things right. Brady. And, I get it from that perspective for sure. Not criticizing the pick there, but to make your roster, he's gotta be, he's gotta be the return guy. He's gotta give you confidence over the course of mini camp training camp preseason that he is the guy that returns. That means he can't be out there in preseason games, fumbling the football. He can't do That's that kind right. of stuff. So it makes it a little bit tricky as a fourth round pick. If he, Gets caught and gets to waivers. Uh, I mean, I probably maybe he gets yep. through, but you know those things are always tricky.
0: This is a guy that has an edge about him, though. You know, I've listened to some of his interviews, and not just the one from draft day, but going back to, to North Texas. Mm-hmm. And this is a very supremely confident player, uh, not a cocky player though. Just really believes in himself, uh, and he plays with an edge. He plays bigger than his smallest frame. I think he's 5'8", 174 pounds, but but uh, he played big at North Texas and listen, you could knock him for the competition. I mean, there were some games where he just destroyed certain schools. Like he had 13 catches for 244 yards and three touchdowns averaging 18.8 yards per catch against Charlotte. The next week, 10 catches, 204 yards in a touchdown averaging 20.4 yards per catch against middle Tennessee state. He ended the season with with over 16 catches, with actually 16 catches for 308 yards and a combined seven touchdowns in the two games against Louisiana Tech and Texas El Paso. Okay, but listen, he went to North Texas. Those are the schools on the schedule. He can't do anything about that. So he did have some pretty decent performances mm-hmm. against some other schools. Eight catches, 43 yards against Houston. You know, that's not really going to move the needle too much. But against Arkansas – Five catches, 87 yards. That was the 17.4 yard average. And uh, uh, he also had a game against uh, California. Uh, two catches, 75 yards, including a, a big touchdown bomb, 37.5 yard average. When you look at the production, 19 touchdown catches last year. And he became North Texas's all time leading receiver. 74 catches. 1,190 yards in only nine games, John. That's pretty impressive. You look at nine games with two touchdowns or more, including five with three touchdowns or more, and nine 100-yard games. This is a guy that is used to being the man, and he's not going to be the man in Tampa. But every time he has his hands on the ball, whether it's a wide receiver screen, an end around, uh, a quick slant that he can, you know, split the safeties and take the distance. He thinks he's the man. And I like that about him. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I, I am, like I said, I'd love to see the offensive packages. I like the fact that they're aiming for creativity. The bucks have you know have not been necessarily known for creativity yeah. in their offense, but toward the end of the year, you saw that start to evolve, you know, the screen game, lots of different things were happening. I remember the Packers yeah. game, a couple of the, Orbit motions with Scotty Miller, and then their return motion, and they're you know mm-hmm. keep throwing it backside to Gronk, and so uh, that intrigues me because yeah. when you get players that are good in space with the ball in their hands, it's definitely something the Bucks. It's right. not what they typically have prioritized in their receiver group. Their receiver Bucking room. Here, Bruce.
0: I, I don't think he's Dexter Jackson volume 2.0 <laughs> Dexter Jackson, not not the super bowl MVP free right. safety. We're talking about the Appalachian state yes, I the second round pick. Mm. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing is, is this guy has toughness and an edge about him. Um, you could say Dexter Jackson lacked a lot of uh, intestinal fortitude. I'll leave it at that, but th- this yep. kid's he's a tough little nut and uh, he's hard to crack. And, and I believe, that he's going to win the return job, and and I, I think that, that he can be a little gadget player. Mm-hmm. And the thing, too, is is, is if Scotty Miller, if something happens to him from an injury standpoint, they do have another smaller-sized receiver that, that has the speed to stretch the field. And you sure. go back and look at Bruce Arian's offense, John out there in Arizona, J.J. Nelson, John Brown, um, uh, Ryan Swope. Right. Those are some guys there. Uh, Scotty Miller here in Tampa, even even back in in, in the days in Pittsburgh. Emmanuel Sanders is a player that that Bruce Arians compared him to. So he knows receivers pretty well. He coached him with the Steelers for an awful long time. So I'm going to defer to to Bruce Arians. If this is his kind of wide receiver for his offense, then Mm -hmm. then uh, who am I to say otherwise?
1: The most fascinating thing in camp might be now to well, two things I would say. Well, three things really. You want to see Joe Tryon's progress, absolutely. You want to see Kyle Trask win the QB2 job. You want to see Jalen Darden win the return job. Because if he doesn't, Scott, that we can talk about all we want about the rest of the stuff. But you know as well as Mm -hmm. I do, you need to win that return job if you want to be active, like if you want to be playing, uh, if you want to be out there, if you want to be on the team, you know, those are the things that so, yes, I think he's gonna do that. One thing I will say. For as small as he is, in the level competition he played against, I would love to see a better forty time than the four 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 or whatever that he ran. Agreed, uh, and yeah. and that sounds absurd, but we are talking about a guy who's literally being drafted for what he does in space. Right, and speed isn't the only thing, but when you're that tiny, it definitely helps to be as fast as humanly possible. He's got great acceleration, yes. good change of direction. I would love to see like more home run speed from him, but can't have everything. It's fourth rounder. I think think the
0: home run speed showed up on tape rather than at the pro day. And Jason light even said, this guy's probably more quick than fast. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. I think that's a, that's a good observation by him. I agree with that. And I'd rather have that for sure, but would love the home run speed. If he's going to be a guy that gets five touches a game, you know, five touches, Every other game, I don't know how take one of the house, right? Exactly right. Take one of that, like give us a real splash play. And yeah, so that's the one thing I would gripe with on that pick. KJ Britt in the fifth round, honestly, like I there's no upside was, defensively, probably, but he's probably surprise. gonna be he's gonna be a good special teamer, I yeah. think. And and so from if that's the lens you're looking at it, good pick. If you're looking at it from wow, I would have loved to see this guy develop into you know Levante David's replacement,
0: that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think when you look at, at this pick the the funny thing is 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 when you're looking at special teams you're kind of thinking you want fast guys right because you're talking about running down covering kicks and punts but some of the players that they've drafted whether it's Chappelle russell uh didn't have the type of physicality that kj britt had jack sitchie was was tough but it came at a price because sitchie would get hurt on special teams and and uh, you look at this guy, he is literally built like a ton of bricks. Uh, he's built like a brick wall, and he hits like one. Uh, I think that he is, he is a Devin White clone without that sideline-to-sideline side speed. But he has got the same type of mentality that Devin White does. And what I mean by that, too, is, is he's better going north than he is south. His, his pass coverage is, is not as strong a suit, but he's a pretty decent blitzer. And he's a very good run stopper. He's more of a throwback thumper type, which, which kind of caused you and I to be surprised by the pick, John. But oh, yes, but when you look at it, they wanted a very physical player. This guy is an alpha, and uh, they're going to mm-hmm. give him a shot to, to win a roster spot on special teams. And I don't think that he's that, he's that far removed from Kevin Minter. Kevin Minter is not the fastest linebacker, mm-hmm. but he's very smart. He's a physical player. And, but Kevin Minter is 31. And, and I think that this is probably his last year in Tampa, there's still a chance that Britt can make this team, if he picks up the defense well and shows that he can command the huddle and do some of the things from a middle linebacker standpoint in the preseason, they, this team might look at him as not a an heir apparent to to Levante David, but maybe an, an heir apparent to Kevin Minter next year on the roster, where he's maybe that number four guy this year. Maybe he moves up to number three next year.
1: Absolutely. I think that's exactly what the, the – that's the ceiling for him, like his being their number three. Um, again, I think you might always be more yes, exposed. that's a coverage. great comp
0: right um, there. Mason Foster is? That's yeah, a good comp that's, for him? That's, I think it's a really good
1: comp. But Mason Foster was asked to start for years, right?
0: Yes, because that's of it. the lack of talent in Tampa. Yes. <laughs> yes, but, but to no. his credit, he was a savvy player. He made some plays. He was right. tough. You know, he did have some physical limitations, but sure. – but you, he it was, was always one of the leaders starter. and tackles, yeah.
1: right? Wasn't yeah. he? It was always like, "Wow, Mason Foster! I can't believe the Bucks are getting rid of Mason Foster. He's so many tackles." Yeah, but yeah, John.
0: John, here's the thing: if you meet the running back in the hole, you have an opportunity to make a tackle, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're an inside linebacker in a three-four scheme, you're looking at a or b gap. I mean, if you can get to the hole, you've got a chance to make a tackle, and I think <laughs> that's where where Brit's strength yeah. is 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 there. But Ty Bowles also playing a lot of you know nickel defense where those two linebackers have to drop in pass mm-hmm. coverage a lot. Yep, that's would, not his strong suit, right?
1: Yeah, you would need to, you would need to rescue him on long and late downs, and obviously, I think he could be schemed against at some point if it got to that point. But hey, we're not quite there yet. Right now, it's and this was the thing that had to readjust my thinking as we were on the draft show, Scott. They aren't even necessarily thinking about who's going to replace who down the road with these day three picks that. And maybe that was that's probably, probably too lofty of an expectation. Instead, yep. they probably were smarter about it and saying, "All right, who gives us what we need for 2021 and 2022? Right. Like, if if you can do that for us, then that's good because that's our window. And we need right now. We need special teamers. We need a return guy who might have more potential than what we've got and can yep. create splash plays. If we can win more in that area of the game, that's another advantage for us. We need guys who can run down and kill people on special teams, and that's where they're at. Between Britt and we'll skip Chris Wilcox for a second, Britt. Yep. And, uh, and Grant Stewart happens, right? Like that, whether we think it's a fair fight or not, because they're very different size wise. Stewart is a very small linebacker. Britt is kind of this monster linebacker. Um, neither are particularly athletic despite Stewart being smaller. Um, both guys are ultra physical alphas. They'll chase people down. They'll hit people. They'll light people up on tape. Um, but that's going to be Stewart's path, right? He almost unless they're going to carry five off-ball linebackers, which you and I do not think is likely, right, Scott? Uh, right. It's, it's, it's he's got to beat out Britt for that for that fourth linebacker spot.
0: Well, they they might keep five, and and if, if they keep say four safeties, right? If if they if if there's going to have to, some some place is going to have to give, but because Britt and Stewart are going to be asked to be special teamers. Um, maybe it costs Tanner Hudson, right. Uh, a roster spot as an extra tight end on this team. So I, I think that I wouldn't rule out both of these inside linebackers making the, the roster this year only because of a special teams and B when you look at the fact that Levante David's 31, Kevin Minter's 31, they didn't have a fourth inside linebacker on their roster at all until draft day. Um, you, you could kind of make a case for it, but it's got to come at the cost of maybe a Justin Watson not making the team as a core special teamer, uh, maybe a, a back-end safety uh, not making the, the team as a core special teamer. You know, last year they kept five safeties. Uh, Andrew Adams is not on the team. Maybe, maybe um, you know, you've got a, a – uh, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank. Javon Hagan, yeah, Hagen. Hagen. You know, maybe he makes it as the fourth, and right now you probably say he does, and and then you're set it with the four safeties. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, uh, no, that could be a possibility I hadn't considered, but I I think if we're guessing, it's probably going to be beating out Britt, which isn't impossible for yeah. a fifth round, late fifth round pick, you know, seventh round or beat him out. Sure. I don't. I think the Bucks will let it be an open competition. I think Britt's going to win, but yeah, um, that that's the other thing about Stewart is that we're talking about. Sh- like all-time short arms for a linebacker. It and yeah. it matters on special teams when you're looking for tackle radius. It it just definitely matters. Um it does. It, it so. does, yeah. And, so, and and
0: the the thing is 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 it's 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 wrapping up uh bigger guys at this level. I mean, you've got running backs John that are, you know, 180 pounds at the college level mm-hmm. and you just don't have that at the NFL level. These guys, these guys are 205, 210, 220, 225 and up. So that that's where that that arm length comes into play.
1: Mm, Yeah, for sure. It's uh, that, and With Chris Wilcox, it's like the opposite. That's where he's going to have the advantage, I believe, over Herb Miller, where he's just this bigger, longer corner, great athletic numbers. Um, And I think I'm excited personally to have a guy with that kind of upside that we just haven't seen that much of, and it could be maybe something that he hasn't been in college. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that they targeted those kind of traits and potential with Chris Wilcox um, in the seventh round. I mean, you're talking about literally near the – very end of the draft so yeah look I mean look just long arm dude Just
0: mm-hmm.
1: gonna have to win a job as a gunner and that's gonna be the case that's what he's gonna have to do so that's where yeah. he started out uh when he was at BYU is being able to chase down uh punts and so I think it seems like they got exactly what they were looking for in Wilcox and then also where they didn't get in Stewart and Britt was upside and they might have gotten a little bit of that with Wilcox as the CB5 you know, he comes in, he can play gunner, but also like, let's see what he's got at corner. You know what I mean? Like you might right. have something we haven't seen before where Britton Stewart, you kind of, you know, I mean, odds of them being anything more than what you saw in college are so slim. But with, with Wilcox, I think uh, you could,
0: you could have a little something here if you can develop them. Yeah, I think so. And it's going to come down to him beating out Herb Miller and, and John, as you mentioned, as, as much as they might like Herb Miller as a developmental corner with one eye down the road, and maybe he, Takes that number four spot at some point from Ross Cockrell, or maybe he really develops into somebody who's a number three corner. Um, Herb Miller comes with good size as well 6'2, 190. He had the interception in the Detroit game. He's a first year player out of Florida Atlantic. But how well does he cover kicks? How well does he cover punts? Special teams is key. And when you don't win that starting job or that primary backup role at any position, you got to be able to play special teams. So For Herb Miller and and Brian Wilcox, it will come down to how they perform on fourth down rather than first, second, or third for them to stick in Tampa.
1: Right. So it's gonna be key special teams. That was the theme of the draft. And by the way, everybody's saying, Oh, I didn't like this draft. There wasn't. And I understand where you're coming from, but you have to be realistic and look at this roster when you say that. Believe me, you'll hear as I'm here for drafts over the years, when they draft poorly. I'm going to light them up. But this was not a normal year. They are literally right. looking for special teamers. Sometimes that means taking a player that is worse at their position on the board because right. they make an impact on special teams. You aren't going to see that probably ever again. In, in yes. And I mean, I hate to break it to you, but like,
0: yeah, if it's very bad,
1: rare to have a roster like this. going if into If you a draft. feel
0: bad about this draft, go to Buccaneers.com, click on the roster. And and tell me where at,
1: these guys were going to make the team just, if they were in other positions. the starters.
0: If right. you feel bad about this draft, just look at the starters. Uh, or better yet, put in the Super Bowl DVD and just watch it again. You'll feel better. <laughs> that's right. You will. Okay. Yeah. And and you know what else will make you feel better, John? Getting your insurance at Briar Breeze. Mm, okay. Because that's, that's what happened to me. Um, I needed some help with my homeowner's insurance. I was not happy with, with the company I had prior to that. So I took Mark Cook's advice and I. Went to briargreavesinsurance.com and I found the phone number and I said, hey, um, I'm, I'm looking for some insurance. And you know who picked up the phone? Sam Greaves. Sam, Briar's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, hey, is this Scott Reynolds from Peter Report? Yes, it is. Yeah. Hey, how are you doing, Sam? "Great And he guy. said, listen, all I need is just send me the policy. Just email it to me. I had it in PDF form. I just sent it to him. Mm-hmm. No obligation, uh, no cost. He looked at it for free and, and he showed me. Where I was paying too much, where I was a little bit undercovered, and got me a fantastic rate. And I'll tell you what, rates are going up all across the state of Florida and just not even Florida, but across the country due to the pandemic, due to all of these wicked storms that we had uh, out in the Gulf and the Atlantic this past summer. And you know what? It's getting ready to to be hurricane season again. It's going to be here before you know it. So have the folks at Briar Greaves take a look at your homeowner's insurance and see if they can save you some money. See if you're properly insured and not just homeowner's insurance, folks. If you have a business, they provide commercial insurance. Uh, They've got life insurance. They've got automobile insurance and boat insurance. All can be found at one place, briargreavesinsurance.com. Visit them on the website. Just click the, the, uh, the, the Briar Greaves banners on Pewterreport.com, quick and easy. It'll take you right there, or you can give them a call 813 876 4166 that's 813 876 4166
1: com. All right Scott what do we got coming up this week we got to conti- we continue to talk about uh the off season and the outlook for the off season with the bucks yeah. it yeah. is you know, kind what, of yeah go
0: we, ahead we, 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 I'm still trying to get Jimmy Lake we're we're still trying to figure out uh he, he's on the west coast obviously with the uh, University of Washington but he's the Washington Huskies coach and I'm trying to get him on to offer some first uh, hand perspective of Joe Tryon, the Bucks' yeah. first pick, um, we had Greg Cosell on prior to the draft. John, we should probably have him on again. As Alpha Lobo points out, uh, he loves Tryon and Darden and Britt. Those are some <laughs> of his favorite players. I don't I'd even love know to that get, about Darden and Britt. I'd love to get Greg's perspective on those players from his uh, su- superior scouting perspective. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you missed our our draft uh, three day draft show. We had Brandon Thorne on. He was pretty high on Robert Haines. So we've had some great guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had Warren Sapp. We've had Cameron Brate. We had Scotty Miller live at the mill for our, mm-hmm. the Peter Report podcast. We'll have a couple more Buccaneer players also lined up this, this spring, as well as Bruce Arians. We're going to get Bruce Arians on. His son Jake will also be on at some point in time. So we do have some guests lined up. We're, I think, about uh, two weeks away from the Bucks rookie minicamp, mm-hmm. and we'll be out there live and offering some coverage. Of that didn't have a chance to do that last year, so it'll be fun to see these these draft picks. Uh, you know what else is fun too? John is is going over to our friends at Symbol and oh, yes. and creating an account. And when you do that, if you go to wwwsymbolapp Report, they're going to give you ten dollars as a deposit bonus when you sign up through Peter Report. So it's a fantastic way. To to get involved in fantasy, there's a lot of day traders out there. And you know what? Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your team wins. Symbol's blended sports and the stock market to offer a new way to invest in and profit off your your, your favorite teams. It's a special, unique way. There's nobody else out there doing this. And that's what makes Symbol so unique. Use your sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the almost 3,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. I'm one of them. The stock market for sports, just a tap away. Create a free account in seconds and start profiting from your sports knowledge.
1: Great stuff from Symbol. All right, Scott, we'll be back tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern and every day this week, Wednesday and Thursday, at least at 4 p.m. Eastern, bringing you more on the Bucks, bringing you some great guests and insight from other people and perspectives from around the league and other media on this Bucks draft class and how they project out for this season. And as the summer goes on, we'll take an in-depth look at this roster. We're going to do some fun, creative, cool things with the show. Yes. We're also going to be looking at the league as a whole, trying to rank position groups and get discussion going and things like that. So, Got some fun things planned for the summer for sure, and and plenty of great guests coming on the Pewter Report Podcast. So for everybody that jumped in the chat and listened to the Bucks draft recap, we appreciate y'all. Thank you all for the super chats, and we'll catch you again next time on another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast.
0: Out. Out.